Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. Glad to be with you at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churning Spoon Ice Cream. While you're up in Starkville this weekend, treat yourself to some Strange Brew or to some Churning Spoon. Two locations to serve you for Strange Brew. They're on University Drive, and of course they're on Highway 12. Right, Both, both of them right on the way to the stadium from wherever you're coming uh, in the city of Starkville. And you can get yourself a little boost before you head into the game, which you you might need by the time we get done previewing this and looking at tomorrow's podcast. You, you might want a little boost. Yeah. Who doesn't want a boost? You're right. Absolutely correct. There has never been a moment in my life where I didn't think, you know what? Go for a little boost. I, I, I could go for a little more, you know? I, I you know, take yeah. a boost. No, I get it. I get it. So, yeah. So, check them out. Head over there. Support your local businesses. If you're staying at home this weekend and you want to put together a great watch party, the place to go is College Corner. They've got everything you need to home gate, tailgate right there in your backyard or in the living room, whatever it is. Platters and plates to serve that delicious food up on. And, of course, if you want to decorate the house in maroon and white, they've got all the accoutrements that you're going to have to have to make everybody know that it's a bulldog living at your house. So call them today. I'm sorry, not call them today. Head by there today. They've got two locations to serve you in Jackson. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com and check out their incredible selection of Mississippi State merchandise. Advantage Business Systems knows that right now, your time is precious. They, you can't afford to be wasting time with inefficient businesses. So... Why don't you let them give you a hand and make sure that your business is working as efficiently as it possibly can. Whatever kind of upgrades you need to make around the office, Advantage Business Systems has a solution for you. They've got 45 years of experience helping businesses just like yours. Call them today at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com and find out how Advantage Business Systems can help your business do business. We are going to talk about Texas A&M today, Joel. An interesting team. A team that, you know, as far as my impression of them, it couldn't have been lower after the Alabama game. I saw them, you know, they struggled with Vanderbilt, and then they they really got pushed around by Alabama, and I thought, just another overrated A&M team, they're not going to be any good. And then they beat Florida, and they moved the ball incredibly effectively. Now, defensively, not great, but that Florida offense is very explosive. What is your – if I say, tell me about Texas A&M, what's the first thing that's coming to mind for you with this team? Wait and see. Okay. Because that Florida apparently isn't all that good defensively. No. Uh, that Vandy 17-12, that means something. It does? Uh, that's that's ugly. Um, Alabama cruised against them. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had this discussion, who's the second best team in the West? And I think right now the answer is Texas A&M just because kind of by default a little bit. Like, who else are you going to pick? But I'm not sold at all that this is some juggernaut coming into Starkville this weekend that State can't 
get something going against. Um, I'm very skeptical of A&M. And maybe it's, you know, we talk a lot about when State plays other opponents, sometimes you get kind of jaded or convinced just because of the logo on the helmet. I think, to me, when I see that Texas A&M logo on the helmet, Mm -hmm. what I see is often overrated, often, uh, you know, got all these aspirations and things, and then it doesn't really come to fruition. I see a team that Mississippi State, since they've gotten into the league, has often had success against. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, look, we'll get into this more tomorrow, but... Do I think State's going to win the game based on how they're playing lately? Probably not. But Texas A&M is not an opponent that right now scares you, or at least not not from my vantage point. Is that the issue, though, that this is an opponent you feel is beatable, but you don't have a lot of faith in Mississippi State to do that? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, how could you have faith in Mississippi State to do it right now? Right. Um, You're right. To use the baseball analogy a little bit, they say sometimes it's not – who you play, it's when you play them. And there's no better time than right now to play Mississippi State. Because, I mean, they're licking their wounds. They're trying to figure things out. Leach apparently is trying to figure out which guys he can get to buy in and which guys, I guess in his terminology, are fence riders. Um, It's a great time to play Mississippi State right now because, look, defensively, apparently things are clicking on that side of the ball. But offensively? I mean, is it going to shock you right now if State has 10 points or less Saturday? No. No, me either. And so I don't think it's it's a any better time than the present to, to play Mississippi State. For me, this Saturday is more about is Mississippi State going to figure its crap out than, than A&M. Because if State – if you told me State figures its stuff out, then apparently defensively they're already pretty good. So if they get some things going offensively, then all of a sudden you got a realistic shot. But right now, it's very tough to predict that State's not going to have turnover issues or or uh, offensive line issues or whatnot. So it, right now, I, I like A and M Saturday simply because not a, because of A and M, but because of where Mississippi State is. Let's talk a little bit more about this A and M team. Obviously, Kellen Mond and in his fifteenth year at Texas A and M, I believe he has uh, two masters and a doctorate. <laughs> At this point in his Dr. college, Mond. Dr. Mond has been there a long. He's the modern day Wayne Madkin. Just yeah. been there forever. Yeah, I felt like uh, Patrick Willis was at Ole Miss forever too, back in the day. It's just more difficult for for me to be as a defensive player. They just don't talk as much about. It. Although with Willis, it was he was making every tackle. But you know, Mond is. Just, I mean, I just feel like he's been there forever. Yeah. Um, I think last week was probably the best game he's played. Uh, as an Aggie, was really good against Texas A&M. Didn't do as much on the ground, and he does give you that. And you know, states play two straight games against quarterbacks that they're mobile, but I, I don't classify them as a, a threat so much. Yeah. Terry Wilson and Felipe Franks, they can move around, they can run a little. They're not Nick Fitzgerald. Yeah, they're they're not, they're not a player like that. To be fair, if you are, yeah. But Mond is a little bit more like that. Mond is a guy who who can break long runs against you. Mississippi State's defense has been so good this year. You know, how do you think that if, if you're if you're calling plays for AM, how are you going to attack Mississippi State? I still think, and I may be wrong, maybe it's me relying too much on my preseason feelings, but I still think that uh 
the the way that you just blow Mississippi State out is keep trying to beat them over the top because I think eventually, given the youth, given the inexperience, I mean, we've already seen it a couple times. Arkansas took advantage of it a couple times. You're going to get some busts back there. I just think eventually that Mississippi State secondary, while there may be some talented guys, they're so inexperienced and so kind of and, – and maybe they're starting to figure some of this out some. And if State really locks down on the pass coverage, goodness gracious, they're already great against the run. Yeah. Um, but I, I still feel like that State's biggest defensive weakness yeah. is the secondary. Well, I mean, they LSU had success against them. Yes. And then you had a couple of busted plays. I wouldn't say that Arkansas had success. But they had a, they found they when they when the opportunities were there they took advantage of. And right now the way state's playing offensively is only going to take a couple opportunity you know a couple of busts and in your beat. That's the most frustrating thing about what state's doing right now is that you really do feel like if if your opponent gets to ten to fourteen points you probably can't win the football game. Could you imagine saying that back when we were going into the year? But yeah, well, I mean, can you right. imagine saying it on September twenty seventh? Uh yeah. You know, I mean, a, a, a scant you know two weekends ago. Uh, or three weekends ago, so yeah, it's it just it's 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 something that to, to keep an eye on. Isaiah Spiller, one of the better running backs in the conference, had 176 yards Saturday against that Gator defense. Has been a really good player. Has really elevated his game. But like you just said, State has been so good against the run this year. I really do think that this weekend's uh, game plan should be sort of similar to what we talked about last week. In that, if you're Mississippi State. You want to try to force Kellen Mond to stay in the pocket and beat you. The difference is he can do that better than Terry Wilson could. Yep. So it, it, it becomes a, a situation where State could still play well. They could not turn the ball over, but Mond is capable of making some plays. Um, he he is he is much he has looked better this year than he has in years past. Even against Alabama, he threw the ball pretty well. The problem was the defense couldn't stop anybody. And, and they were just chasing Alabama and chasing points the whole game. Um, their receiver situation, obviously we, we found out earlier this week, Caleb Chapman, who was their leading receiver nine catches a week ago, he's out for the season. Their leading receiver from last season, Jamon Osmond, he opted out. No, I don't think any team in the conference was hit as hard by opt-outs as Texas A&M was. They lost some quality, quality uh, players. And so they're going to have to find some new guys to, to, you know, to, to take those shots against Mississippi State. Their offensive line is pretty good. Kenyon Green is a really, really good player, probably an NFL guy. Uh, they've recruited well. I mean, Texas A&M has recruited well for the past decade, so that's nothing new there. But offensively, this is a very solid football team. You know, Jimbo Fisher is a good play caller. He always has been. Um, they're a team that they can score points. They can move the football around a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about the Aggies now. Let's move on into our interview brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. They want to let you know that this weekend, I, I saw the schedule, they'll actually be on campus with the food truck, 11 to 2, in front of the Hunter Henry building. So if you want to swing by there, grab a burger or a steak sandwich, or heck, even a steak itself, they've got you taken care of, and then they'll be back after the game, back in front of their Welcome Home Leaf location on University Drive. If you're just look, looking to stay home this weekend, not going to the game, why don't you give them a call and get you a steak, get some burgers on the grill, do something like that. They've got you taken care of, and of course, it's going to be chilly this weekend, you want to put a stew in the pot, a big pot roast. I think, I, I think I'm going to do a Mississippi pot roast this weekend on, on Sunday. Good call. Good call. Or, as you said, it's going to be chilly this weekend, so how about some chili? Could do that as well. I got a, I got a lot of options, and that's <laughs> thanks to our good friends at Welcome Home Beef. So why don't you call them today at 662-268-8148. Isn't it funny, by the way, that you eat chili when it is chili? I've always thought that was funny. Chili warms you up. 
Never. Love some chili. There's a, there's a lot going on with that uh, that grammatically. It, you can call them, like I said, or you can go to Facebook.com slash Welcome Home Beef. Whatever you're going to do, if they're cooking it or you are, one thing's for sure. Just taste good. All right, let's go to our interview now. Jeff Tarpley from Gig'em 24-7 joins the show to break down the Aggies. So joining us now from Gig'em 24-7, Jeff Tarpley. Been covering the Aggies for a long time. That's a good win for Texas A&M. That was a kind of win that I, I felt like A&M needed, not just for this season, but for, for Jimbo Fisher's time in College Station. Did, did you have the same feeling that that was a must-win on more levels than just wanting to win the next game? Yes, I think that, that, that Fisher said after, either after the game or, or yesterday in the Monday presser that he didn't consider it to be a, a, a program type of win. But realistically, if AM would have emerged from the first three games at one and two with losses to both Alabama and Florida, it certainly would have made it more difficult for them to be included in the conversation for the college football playoff as well as uh, at least a New Year's Six bowl game going forward. Instead, now... You look at the rest of the Aggie schedule, you can argue that it's a schedule that they can win out with. And even if something trips them up along the way, at 8-2, and two, they're still going to be in the conversation for a New Year's Six bowl game. And I think as much as people wanted to see progress going into this season and maybe they're not seeing you know, exact everything they need to see, at the end of the year, A&M will still be where people would at least like them to be in terms of the state of the program, and that's as a top-10, quasi-top-10 team that's playing in the New Year's Day type of bowl game. Obviously some bad news coming out of that that win, though, the injury to Caleb Chapman, who was really good on Saturday. You know, in the passing game, you look like it was really clicking for the Aggies on Saturday. Who's going to have to step up there and, and sort of fill that role? Well, it's interesting because A&M is now down uh, five receivers yeah. that were in the two deep last year at this time. Uh, Chapman was one of them. Uh, they lost Cameron Buckley, who was at one point slated to start in the, in the slot in the offseason. All three starters from last year are gone. So it, it's kind of a tribute to Fisher and Kellen Mond that they've been able to overcome that. They've worked Chase Lane into the mix, who is, he's fast, but more than anything else, he has the ability to adjust the ball, run precise routes, get open, and now kind of serve as a check-down receiver for Kellen Mond. Uh, Jalen Wademeyer had a very, very nice game on Saturday. He had an eight-catch game against Bama a couple of weeks before. They've got to find somebody else to step up at the other outside receiver spot. Also keep in mind that Anaya Smith was moved back to the slot this week. A&M can do some things with him. Uh, as far as filling that other receiver spot, they would probably like to get Hez Jones back, who's been injured uh, this all of last season, has missed so far this season as well. If they can get him back, he's an experienced guy who can run. He would fill Chapman's role very, very well in terms of being the deep threat, the clear-out threat in the offense. But again, that remains to be seen in terms of when he comes back and they may not be until after they have an off week in a couple of weeks and then Arkansas after that. When you look at that game on Saturday, you know, Kellen Mond 
played really well. And, and he's a guy who's, you know, you know the talent's there, you know the high ceiling is there, but he's had some games where it just hasn't been there for him. But, you know, 25 of 35, 338, three touchdowns passing. Is that Kellen Mond at his best? Is, is, that, is, that, is that a performance that he can, can duplicate and sustain throughout the year? He actually had a quality outing against Alabama. It, it, it got lost in the, in the pick six that he threw. Yeah. Uh, and, but he still threw for over 300 yards. He, he had a good first half except for the pick six, and then in the second half he simply had to throw the ball on every down because they were down three scores. But what Mond did Saturday was he looked much more decisive, much more comfortable, he got the ball out much more quickly. And so, as a result, all of those things are things that everybody's been wanting to see from him. And to see those things kind of validates the fact that, hey, look, you know, we, we've got this guy. We've, we've invested a lot of time in him. Jimbo Fisher has publicly backed him a lot despite fan criticism. And... Now he's playing like the guy, again, that you would expect a senior quarterback to be. He's getting A&M to the right place. He's checking into the right place. He's making the right post-snap read. So for all of that, and it also in terms of his leadership skills, Mond is, is looking like the guy that everyone thought he would be. And for A&M, that's a big plus because A&M has, now looks like they can be a team also that can run the football which in turn takes pressure off of him and opens up a lot of options for Jimbo Fisher as a play caller. And that's what I was going to ask about next was Isaiah Spiller, who's just been playing at a really high level, you know, a couple of hundred-yard games. He had a huge game, 174 yards rushing uh, against Florida. That guy, you know, was sort of under the radar running backs behind Liam and Najee, Najee Harris, maybe even Kylan Hill here at Mississippi State. But he's really stepped forward this year. I think he might be one of the best running backs uh, in, in the country. But MSU has been really good against the run this year. Do you, do you like that matchup for the Aggies? I like the fact that A&M's offensive line, beginning with the Alabama game, started running more power and counter. They started pulling it. They started using more two tight end sets. They started pulling a tight end and a lineman from the opposite side of the formation. Spiller is patient enough to allow those blocks to develop. He has good enough vision to see where people are being pushed around, and he has the physicality and the balance to hit the hole and win those win contact at the next level of the defense. That's what made A&M so successful on Saturday, because when they were down 28-17, they had just gotten a penalty, two on the kickoff. They were starting at their own 12-yard line. They had had uh, all kinds of uh, 15-yard flags. They just really seemed out of sorts. And what happened is is that Fisher put everything on the back of the offensive line and Spiller. And it's an experienced offensive line. They've got they have five guys of starting experience coming into the season. And they've probably played their best game given the level of competition. What was at stake? They played their best game in two years. They put everything they put the offense and the team on their back. And on their next two possessions, I think A and M threw the ball just three times. Everything else was done on the ground. And that's a tribute to the play calling and to the execution and the physicality of those guys up front. Obviously, you know, with this matchup, we have to talk about about the defense. You saw what Mississippi State was able to do against LSU, but then I'm sure you've seen the last two weeks things have not gotten going. 
Kyle Trask and Mac Jones, obviously elite quarterbacks. Uh, they had big days against the Aggie secondary. Can are they up to the challenge of the air raid offense? Well, it's been really interesting to see Mississippi State struggle their last two games. Teams have learned to, you know, we're not they're not going to play them in man. They're going to drop a lot of people back. They're going to keep everything in front of them. They're going to make them work the ball down the field. Interestingly enough, I watched Leach's offenses a lot when he was at Texas Tech and and A and M was was in the Big Twelve. It's an offense that. People don't understand it. It's a pretty simple offense. There aren't a lot of plays. There are a lot of formations. The concept, uh, for example, on on, on on double mesh, you just you don't just you know sit there and go, well, this guy did this. You've got to throw these guys open. You've got to find the windows. The receivers have to help you out by running again, continue running against man coverage, settling down versus zone. And I think that's one of the things that Mississippi State missing right now. The receivers don't know exactly what to do against these coverages, so they're not providing good windows for the quarterbacks for the football, but also I think the quarterbacks themselves are holding the ball too long, and they're getting pressured, and then they're making throws that it's easier for the defensive backs to break on. So from a and standpoint, what they've got to do is something that they struggled to do the first or at least the last few weeks, is keep things in front of them. It'll be real interesting to see how Mike Elko plays his hand this week if he goes with that same three-man front that you've seen the last two weeks and if they play a lot more man, uh, excuse me, zone coverage and keep things in front of them. How do you see the game playing out this weekend in Starkville? I think it comes down to, again, for A&M, not allowing any big plays. Uh, they, they even, Last week, they didn't allow the touchdown plays that they did against Alabama, but still Florida was able to generate chunk plays, get themselves in the red zone, and then convert those for touchdowns. In fact, A&M has given up touchdowns on 13 of its 19 possessions in those last two games. Uh, so they've got to be able to do that. If they can do that on defense, and what that means is the, the game becomes one where it stays competitive for A&M. They can try to run the ball. They can use their physicality up front. Uh, Mississippi State's defense has been pretty good so far, especially against the run. But if they can do those things, and A&M hadn't won at Starkville since 2012. It's been a tough place to play, even though the last all three times they've lost, they've come in ranked. Yeah. So if A&M can come in and, and establish the running game, and make Kellen Mond's life easier in terms of the passing game. I think that's the ticket for them to win the game. Plus, again, don't give up. Don't give up many chunk plays. Keep Mississippi State out of the end zone, if not the red zone, and keep the score. You know, keep the score manageable. Don't put it. You know, they were really fortunate that Kellen Mond played the way he did. Maybe Kellen Mond plays like that the rest of the year. But it's but it's best at this point in time to rely on the running game like they did, not put so much on the quarterback, especially with injuries or receiver. All right. Well, we'll see what happens at Davis Wade on Saturday when Texas A&M comes down. Jeff Tarpley from Gigham 24-7, man. Thanks so much for your time. Always love having you on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, thanks to Jeff. We appreciate his time joining us as he has uh, many times in the past. Been cover- He's covered the Aggies so long that he was covering them when Mike Leach was at Texas Tech. So he's got some familiarity with the air raid. 
and, and what that's going to bring. Let's look, let's look at their Aggie defense. Mike Elko, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, uh, but he is a guy with a penchant for man coverage. I, I feel that, you know, what do we always say? You know, do you, you want to lose your way or win somebody else's? I think if he wants to win, he's going to have to go somebody else's this weekend. Yeah, yeah it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, you kind of feel like these guys, that that's their calling card, they'll just stick with it. Um, and if so, that's great news for Mississippi State. Uh I find it hard to believe, though, after the success teams have had against State so far, rushing three, dropping eight. I mean, you're going to look like a fool if you go out there and try and do something different. State just marches up and down the field like they did against LSU. I don't know what he's going to do. I know what I'd do, and uh, that's that's drop eight. And I, I Every opponent from here on out until State proves they can, they can beat that, right. that's what I'd do. Yeah, and, and – Going back to you know what we've talked about, what I talked with Cole Kublick about on Sports Talk Mississippi is State just has to be patient against the A&M defense. Uh, if they're going to rush three, you got to be able to block those guys. You, you can't allow what's been happening to happen. You've got to find a way to block five. Cole Kublick's breakdown of that was very so. I mean, as a former lineman, he knows he's like, but off the snap, you should be able to double team two guys, and in reality, you can hit one guy and then go to the next. You should be able to double team all three guys for at least. A couple of seconds and, and half time. It's it's insane that you can't do this. Yes, they've got to fix that. But if they do, I think that when you have a team like A and M that likes to play a lot of man, I mean, you try to put a, some, some zone. Everybody's got some zone in the yes. playbook. But to go predominantly at that, there's a possibility. There's a chance for confusion back there. There's a chance for guys who are like, I'm not. This is not what I'm most familiar with, and they just make a mental error, and then you've got to be able to take advantage of that. And, of course, the other thing is blocking five versus three. Can they get something going in the running game? They're giving Kylan Hill about the amount of carries I thought he would get, seven, eight carries a game. I, didn't, I just didn't think he'd get a whole ton. But he's not getting the six, seven yards a carry that I think you would have expected based on what they were able to do a season ago with Max Borgie. You know, I, thought, I, mean, I think Kylan Hill's a more talented back than Max Borgie. But he's not so far as explosive in the running game as he needs to be. State needs explosive plays. That was the difference against LSU. They had, what, 20 plays of, of 20 yards, something like that? Uh, I, I think plays. it was like passing yards, uh, passing plays, I think it was like 15 plays of 20 or more yards or something like you that. You don't need 15, but you could go for seven or eight. Yeah. You've got to have some some plays where you're where you're moving, the not just moving the chains, you're moving from your side of the field to the other side of the field. That's what State needs to, to – to really focus on beyond turnovers, which is the obvious thing, is they've got to find some big plays. I don't have a problem with the dinking and dunking. I don't have a problem moving the chains, but eventually you've got to find a way to move the ball 20-plus yards. Yeah, and right now they're not, and K.J. Costello has not been trying to, you know, he hasn't been reading the field to, to see that. It's incredibly intriguing to see if there's any progression at all out of KJ Costello and that's just assuming KJ Costello is a starting quarterback we still don't know that could be Will Rogers for all we know but whoever it is they're gonna have to be a little bit patient you're gonna have to as a quarterback just trust that your five guys are gonna beat the three and and make your reads and make the right throw uh that's and if that's a five yard dink and dunk that's what you take and then if it's something deeper well hallelujah make that throw when it's there yeah uh, that's another thing. It it feels like that when those throws they take those shots downfield, that's when those picks have been. Is, yeah. And then and then I mean, 
to to some of the quarterback's defense here, I mean, a couple of those last week, receivers just got to catch the pass. Yeah, the Jaden Wally one is the is the most offensive one in there. Of I mean, the ball comes off of his hands and into the hands of a Kentucky defender. If you make that catch, it's, it's it, I'm correct. It's fourteen seven at that point going into the locker room, and you've got the ball first. It's a completely different ball game, completely different atmosphere in that stadium. Uh, if you just make that catch, so yeah, when state state. There is a laundry list for MSU of problems right now. Turnovers, the inability to block, uh, but you know not taking advantage of what the defense gives you, and then making these a silly mistake like that. I mean, that's it's a turnover, but it's also something else. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, last year we we talked so much about receiver receiving play, and mm-hmm. this year it's everybody, the entirety of the offense. Yeah, no one is doing their job. Yeah, no one. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right in that. From a position group standpoint. Well, even from a coaching standpoint. Because, I mean, the play calling, it's been what you expect. But like we talked about on, on Monday's show, you know, at some point, Mike Leach just has to say, I, I have to, you have to try and try something. Now, maybe maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe what Cole Kublik is saying about patience is you don't try until it's there. Yeah. I would be of the opinion that, you know, if it's third and seven, you know, you're not really best served by trying to run a five-yard curl. and, and tr- You're best served by going down the field. And if you throw the ball 40 yards down the field and it gets picked off, well, it was as you good You were going to punt. You were going to punt anyway. As long as it doesn't get returned for a touchdown, you're fine. Um, what I'm learning more and more about this air raid, though, is I don't want to say it's more so than any other offense, but it is so interdependent on everything clicking. Like mm-hmm. every position, every player out there, every receiver has to run the right route. Yeah. Every you know lineman has to do their job. Running back has to do whatever his job is, whether it's pass blocking or run his route correctly. Quarterback has to make the right reads and throws. I, I, I know to some extent that's the case with every offense, but in this one, it really does seem like if you know a couple receivers run the wrong route, well, that screws up the two receivers that ran the right route because now all the spacing's off, and it just seems so interdependent on everybody doing their job. And if just a couple of those guys are off, while it's a simplistic offense and that it's not that hard to mm-hmm. pick up in things, unlike, you know, we talked about with Joe's offense, it really seemed a little bit more advanced than right. what this is. But Joe Moorhead talked about these kind of things too, talking about, you know, everybody's got to do, you know, if you got all 11 guys doing their job, yes. it'll be fine. That's right. And, and I, I really feel like with this air raid, even more so than with Joe's. It's because in Joe's offense, sometimes, I mean, if you, you had one guy that just beats their guy, you're good kind of thing. This kind of feels like everybody's got to be on the same page or the spacing's off and the offense is off. So, what well, one thing that I, with AM, it's tough to judge their defense because of who, who they've played. All right. They played Vanderbilt, the worst offensive team in the conference, and they played two of the best offensive teams in the conference in, in Alabama and Florida. So, I don't know which is the real defense. You know, that, that they played pretty well against Vanderbilt, but it's Vanderbilt. They did not play well against uh, Alabama, and then they pulled one of those Bob Shoot moments where they played enough defense to win against. I guess I should say they didn't play well against Alabama. They and they pulled enough defense to win against Florida. I don't really know what this Aggie defense is. Who did Florida play in the middle? It was Ole Miss, South Carolina, South Carolina, okay. and, and South Carolina. They moved the ball in South Carolina. South Carolina moved the ball on Florida. Yeah. So I mean, I. The early returns of this high, of this college football season for the SEC make it impossible to know really anything. The only thing I feel one hundred percent confident in, if you said, "Give me, tell me something about the SEC," and I'm I'm one hundred percent confident in it, is there's there's two things: Alabama is good offensively, and Georgia is good defensively. 
The rest of it, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure on. Well, Ole Miss is bad defensively. Ole Miss is bad defensively. I was trying to be positive, but you know. <laughs> but I don't have a problem saying that. I mean, they are bad defensively <laughs> right now. State's bad offensively. State is bad offensively, but they've been good. But they've they been had good. the one game yeah. where they were good. So I don't know. I don't know. But with AM, like I said, AM is a team, like you said at the beginning of this, there's a lot of question marks about this AM team. I, I don't really know which is the real team. And also, you know, there's the potential. You come off a huge top five last second win like that, there's the potential for letdown here. There's the potential for, you know, you might be looking past this game. I don't. Let's see, who does AM have next? Well, there's a history of AM coming to Starkville and getting let down. Well, it's, it doesn't work out as well for Mississippi State because AM is off next weekend, uh, and then they play Arkansas and South Carolina. So there's not a big game coming up. One thing to also take into account, and we haven't talked about this yet, is is COVID. And that's, is this game even going to get played? I know as of yesterday, I spoke with someone that would definitely know. Yeah. And uh, he said that so far, so good. Yeah. So <laughs> Based on what I've read, Mullen said today about Florida that they had their spike Sunday. That leads me to believe, and this is just, just me spitballing here, but when they got back into town for a Saturday after the game, some of the players might have done some things they shouldn't have done. Might have gone out you know, to, to drown their sorrows a little bit. Uh, and that's what's happened here. Um, and obviously, Mississippi State should be okay. They haven't had any, you know, I don't think Kentucky's had any problems. A&M obviously played Florida last weekend. So testing should be happening either today or tomorrow. Well, I, you know, three I times a week. I think it's Monday, Wednesday. So that's today as we're recording. And then, and then I, get, I think Friday. I think, I think they, I think they test them before Friday? they go on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the testing might actually be Sunday. It's Sunday. Maybe like, it's like Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. It doesn't matter. All indications right now that this game is going to get played. If it doesn't get played, both of these teams are off next weekend. You could easily push it back seven days and have that. But all indications right now are that we're, we're full go here in Starkville uh, for kickoff at 3 p.m. On Davis, at Davis Wade Stadium. All right. Tomorrow's show, you know what it is. It's the three Ps. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of Mississippi State versus Texas A&M. Also, don't forget this Saturday, three hours before kickoff on WKBB 100.9 FM, uh, Super Talk in the Golden Triangle. I'll be on for the Mississippi Peanut Supply tailgate show. Uh, joining me there will be Coach Dave Nickel, uh, for Mississippi State Inside Receivers Coach. You want to get his thoughts. Plus, we'll have my interview with Jeff Tarpley that you just heard on this show. And uh, also, uh, Cole Kublik. I, I want to go back to that clip there from uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, so that, that will be on the show as well. Uh, don't forget to listen to that. And don't forget to have a great weekend or a great Thursday. And we'll be back with you on Friday morning. Uh, for Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.